Welcome to the latest edition of the Carmichael Governance Podcast. I'm Dermot O'Carbui, CEO of Carmichael. Carmichael is a charity that provides supports to other Irish charities, particularly in the area of governance. You can find details of what we do and a wide range of free resources on our website. That's carmichaelireland.ie. You can also find previous editions of our governance podcast on our website or on your favourite podcast platform, be that SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Acast. This particular podcast was recorded at the 2019 Good Governance Awards in the National Concert Hall. Each year, Carmichael runs the Good Governance Awards to promote and recognise good governance by Irish nonprofits. The podcast is in three main parts. The first part is an opening address by me, CEO of Carmichael, on the Good Governance Awards and recent developments in the awards. This is followed by Deirdre Garvey, who is speaking on behalf of the panel of judges for the Governance Initiative Award. She provides a summary of the judges' comments on the shortlisted organisations. Deirdre is followed by Aideen Morkin, who was chair of the annual report panel of judges. Aideen goes through what the judges liked in the shortlisted reports, areas for improvement, and announces the 2019 winners. Don't worry, I'm not going to do it all in Irish. Fantastic. It's great to see such a wonderful crowd here tonight because the last few years have been great we've had in Davies, but we felt we'd outgrown the venue in terms of the demand for spaces. So it's great to have this wonderful setting. And special thanks to Davy, who again have facilitated this wonderful occasion, the fantastic reception there. And I thought we were going to have a great difficulty getting people away from the wine, but it's, it's fantastic. There's, uh, suddenly everyone was sitting down in their seats and said, you need to start talking. But a special thanks to the Davies events team that they've been brilliant throughout this whole process. It's been great. And I also want to thank my own team in Carmichael because an awful lot of work goes on getting something like this happening. And especially to Serena, who has been living and sleeping this whole thing for the last few weeks. So it's been fantastic. <laughs> the wards now are in their fourth year. And it is absolutely wonderful to see the progress that is made year on year. The driving concept behind the Good Governance Award is quite simple. We want to encourage charities and other non-profits to apply and demonstrate good governance and thereby building and maintaining trust and confidence with their stakeholders. And one real and very tangible way this can be done is through the organisation's annual report. And unfortunately, in many cases, the annual report is regarded as a compliance chore rather than a wonderful opportunity for the organisation to tell their story and to engage with their stakeholders. The Good Governance Awards actually see the annual report as a thing of beauty. Not too many might see it that way, but we see it as a thing of beauty. (laughs) And we want to recognise those organisations who embrace the annual report as a valuable instrument to demonstrate their good governance, their accountability, and especially their transparency. There is a very rigorous and robust process involved in selecting the eventual winners. For those organisations here tonight that have been shortlisted, congratulations, because you have come through some very stiff competition and a very strict assessment process. And for us, it's very encouraging that this year has seen a significant increase in the overall number of entries, but also a significant increase in the overall standard of entry into the awards. In the first year, sort of when you pilot these things and run off um, in 2016, the average score of the entries at the screening stage was 43%. So that means more than half the entries didn't get a pass mark. We didn't lose hope. We continued with it. And this year, the average score was 67%. So that was 67% of all the entries coming in. So it means it is getting harder to get shortlisted. 
and there's been some very, very good organizations' entries that didn't get shortlisted, and some very disappointed organizations that are not here on the list of shortlisted organizations. And sometimes it's very, very small margins that they've missed out on the opportunity to be shortlisted for the awards. We've put a high standard in the, the awards, and, and we do it deliberately because we want to raise the standard. We expect more than the minimum. We expect more than what's legally required. We expect a very good standard. So to get the shortlisted, you need to reach a certain standard. And as a result of the increasing standard, it's actually going to be very hard to win your category. So great that you've got here, and especially it'll be great if you do end up with getting the interview. But, but getting here, it does recognise a sense of achievement that for your organisation, for your boards, for your staff and for your volunteers, of your commitment to, the, to good practice and good governance. I've got this. Move on the slide. Sorry. This is the, this is the um, <coughs> sequence of events. Um, anyway, we, we are... Our, at the keynotes, we're not quite yet. It's me, I'm me yet. But we will have, we, we have me and we will have Louise and then we hope to finish by 8, 8.30. Sorry about that, this gadget. This is very high tech here. Right, and that's me. Okay. Um, I should have said, I should have introduced, I'm, I'm CEO of Carmichael, sorry. I, I, you know, um, sort of, a, so, yeah, uh, but there is a quite an army of volunteers working behind the scenes. And this sort of uh, initiative will not happen without volunteers getting involved because you couldn't pay the time that has been put into, that we get from the, 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 the assessors. And at the screening stage this year, which is the first stage in the process, we had 19 assessors who reviewed, marked, and provided comments on every entry. And 39 of the entrants to the annual award section got long-listed, and they were sent to a technical review of financial statements. These are the assessors that we had this year. Um, great work done by, by them. And then that was the first stage. And the second stage was the technical assessment. And for the last few years, Mazars have shouldered the burden of the technical assessment with some help from BCK. But the awards have grown to a significant scale. And Aiding in, in Mazars said, look, it's great trying to rope in a few volunteers, but this is a big task. Um, we need to get some help. And, and it was fantastic. Um, nobody I asked refused, which was great. And this year we're absolutely delighted to have Crow, Delight, PFK, and PwC involved in the technical assessment. And PFK is probably special mention because they, they got a very last minute call up because one of the original partners, they, 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 they've dissolved and PFK stepped in at the last minute. So there was a bit of panic at the stage. I said, well, I have eight assessments to be done. Who will do them? Um, but we, we, we got it done. So they are our assessors now. We have 25 judges in the judging stage, which is stage three. Ten of those are involved in the Governance Initiative Awards, and 15 were judging the shortlisted entrance for the annual report. And you can see the list, the list of judges there, and it's great to have such a great calibre and commitment of, of um, judges there. But all the assessors, the technical reviewers, and the judges have put in some fantastic work and have produced some very insightful and helpful feedback. And that feedback will be coming, because a lot of people says we enter for the feedback. And if we get shortlisted, it's a bonus. But the feedback has been great in pinpointing areas that we can improve, that we can have discussions at the board, and have discussions with our auditors. Because um, you know, some of the auditors need to pull up their socks in terms of uh, the standard of some of the things that they produce. So, but but it, we mightn't be very popular with some auditors from when they get the feedback. But, <laughs> but it's, all, it's all about ra raising the standard. And I want to thank every one of them for their wonderful contribution and their commitment to the Good Governance Awards. I want to especially mention and acknowledge the specific contribution of Bob Semple. Bob, who those who know him, will be familiar with his challenging, his insightful and his helpful approach to tasks. He's always looking at ways to improve and enhance. And 
The current city is never good enough. You can always do better. And he's been pushing me from day one through the awards to sort of what else can we do? What, how can we improve it? How can we make it better, a, a better process? So this year, Bob, um, he took over the task of revamping and streamlining and improving the, the third stage, the judging process. And he also took on the task of coordinating, and some would say more cajoling, the various judging panels to get their particular tasks done on time. And he certainly made my life much easier this year I don't know whether the judges might think that, but he was he made a great, great boon to have somebody else to carry the burden of chasing to get the thing, decisions made, the comments recorded, because that's all part of the process. The feedback has to be quite rigorous to, because people want to know where they can improve and, and where, where the strengths are. As well as the assessors, another critical component of this process is, is sponsors and the supporters. And I will name them because they're very important. Without, without the supporters and sponsors, we wouldn't have the award. So they're two into three. Chartered Accountants Ireland, Davy, Department of Rural and Community Development, Mason Hayes and Kern, Mazars, The Governance Company, Boardmatch, Charities Institute Ireland, Focus, Include, The Wheel, and Volunteer Ireland. But I'm always in need of more assessors, judges, technical reviewers, and sponsors. So if you're interested, or if you know somebody that might be interested in some organisation that might be interested in helping out in, in the awards, please let me know. And I'm hopeful, I'm, I'm confident that we will have more supporters and sponsors in 2020. And already, Pobal, I'm delighted to say, have agreed to get involved in the awards next year. While it's great to see rising standards from those that enter the Good Governance Awards, we are very, very conscious that those who enter represent a very small minority of the sector. So we undertook some research this year, again at Bob's prompting. We took the research this year, we had got some business students in UCD and got some great help from Benifax. And what we wanted to look at is that we see the good ones, the people that say we want to enter our annual report for the awards, but what about the others? So we looked at 250 random annual reports to see how they would stack up against the standards we apply in the assessment process for the awards. The results, while not surprising, were disappointing. They reveal a, a very much a minimalist approach to report by most charities. The view of what is the absolute minimum do we need to include in our annual report that we can satisfy our legal requirements? It seems to be a dominant view in most charities, unfortunately. And transparency and accountability appear to be distant considerations. For those that are interested in the analysis report, it's available on our website. That's the link, but, but there's a few hard copies available at the desk. We're just literally hot off the presses, but if you go onto the Carmichael website, you can see the analysis of those 252 reports and how they... We looked at non-financial information that would be in the report and what we'd expect a good report to include and tracked how many of those data items were in there. So recognising that there is a particular need to help charities, and particularly the smaller charities, to improve the quality and standard of annual reports, I am delighted to announce that next spring, Carmichael, in association with the Munster Volunteer Centres, and there's a number of them here tonight, will be delivering a series of free, and it's very important we're talking about small charities, a number of free and practical workshops targeting those smaller non-profits to help improve their annual reports. And we are very grateful for the support for Pobble that are going to give us in this initiative next year. I'd like to call up Deirdre Garvey, who is chair of the panel of judges on the governance initiatives, to talk about the governance initiatives section and announce the winners. So look forward to hearing these. Thank you very much, Dermot. And thank you very much um, to the sponsors and to the board of Carmichael for organising what is really, really the fantasticest event in terms of uh, celebrating governance. And uh, I too am a governance nerd. So I, this is one of the highlights of my year. Um, and I'm really, 
really happy, having been a judge for the last few years, since the beginning. Um, it's the first time that I've been in the governance initiative category. I think it's the second year, would that be correct? And um, so thank you very much for, for asking me to speak. I, 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 I guess, humbly speak in, 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 I guess, association with the nine or the eight other judges of the different categories in the governance initiative. And I'm collecting and collating their feedback. So just to acknowledge the great work of the eight other judges in this um, category and indeed all of the other judges as well, and all of the incredible technical expertise that went in beforehand. Um, I did joke with some of the other judges that um, this year, I think in the fourth or fifth year, that I sort of got the, one of the lighter duties because you have a lot less paperwork to read when you're the judge of the governance initiative. So anybody next year who finds themselves in this category, you know you've done well because <laughs> you're being rewarded with the lesser paperwork. Um, that said, it, it, it's, it's a really great initiative, this governance initiative. It is a new creation last year to celebrate, I guess, the more, the more nuanced and softer side that brings out the examples of that virtuous circle on the soft side that you spoke about, which I love. Um, and, you know, the culture, the behaviour, and then the demonstration of impact. So, so it's great, and it's shorter in terms of the application form, so it's doubly great. So it's the first time I've done this category, but I noticed in some of the feedback that I got from the other judges that uh, there are other judges who've been in this category of, uh, two years in a row, and... I guess the, the, the way that I'm going to, to, to put this is that there has been a clear, significant increase in the competitive nature of choosing the winners in each of these in each of the sort of the categories. It's catching on, I think, would be the shorthand way of saying that, and people are copping on to the existence of this category and and trying harder to prove themselves. So. All of the examples, there was 18 uh, shortlisted entries across the five categories, and the five categories are staggered by size. Um, and I'll come to the actual precise definitions, but it's kind of volunteer, small, less small, medium, large, and larger, I guess, uh, to be non-technical about it. But they demonstrated a deepening of the organisation's understanding of governance. Um, and I guess this year they demonstrated that organisations that applied are moving sort of beyond that sort of tick box um, policies and procedures approach to governance to ensuring that the organisation is done well, that the right things are done. It's not about rules and regulations and codes imposed by somebody else. It's a sort of an attitude of mind. It's about how the work is done. It's about creating an ethical culture in the organisation and the behaviour of the people on the governing board, particularly the attitudes to service users or beneficiaries, stakeholders. So in general, the organisations that were successfully shortlisted and indeed the winners showed that good governance means demonstrating responsiveness, transparency, responsibility, accountability and participation with all of their stakeholders. Um, and I guess I was asked to pull out the highlighted specific rationale behind the winners and pulling them together. There was five different issues and I guess that's tip number one, you know. If there's a category of award called Governance Initiative, it would be a really good idea to name the initiative that you're actually seeking to, to make change in. And there was five different ones picked, which is very interesting that 
they were all judged by separate people. We all picked winners that illustrate five different examples of initiative. Upskilling trustees, stakeholder engagement, founder syndrome, strategy planning process and risk management. So, you know, fairly good representative sample. The upskilling trustees spent time and effort creating a creative approach. This is relation to the winner. The impact was evident, and that was just one of the things, again, a tip uh, for next year. It's really hard to demonstrate impact, but if you can, if you want to enter this initiative and win, because it's hard to win, really paying attention to how you're going to show that and how you're going to represent that in the form and easily transferable to other other uh, other charities. So, so that was a, a really key way about how they went about their upskilling trustees. Stakeholder engagement was another winner in terms of an issue. Um, they really felt in this particular case that it was mission critical. They identified that. They went a process that had clear outcomes, that word again, in the beginning, and then the actions for improvement and the process is quite replicable in other organisations. And um, they identified the stakeholder consultation as very important and that it's so easy to lose touch with your beneficiaries. The third uh, category winner was founder syndrome. And that, I think, was the, the judges said that it's quite a common challenge. Not always, but it's, it's really hard and intractable sometimes to solve. And some of that came up in our case study at lunchtime that Louise led, that I was at an excellent initiative. But um, So they dealt with it. They dealt with it professionally. They dealt with it sensitively. They enabled people to continue with dignity and appropriateness. Um, they dealt with it through a risk perspective, which depersonalised it. Uh, they spoke, uh, they went at it through culture and attitudes and behaviours of board members. So they went at the hearts and minds of the board members. And that was the sort of the way they, they got at sort of the, the depersonalising of it. And it was challenging and complex. And I guess that particular issue uh, and how they dealt with it made it rise to the top. In, in one sense, strategy planning process in some places wasn't considered a governance initiative, but in other places it was, depending on how they represented how they went about it. And it was the comprehensiveness of, this, of the process that these judges allowed uh, that one to come to the top. And really engaging the stakeholders and the staff, again, the hearts and minds thing about the, um, the new vision, mission and strategy. Um, the last category, the risk, uh, the, there was the risk management issue that they rose to the top in terms of, uh, it, was, it was the initiative rather, it wasn't why it rose, but it was the initiative that the winner was focusing on. And this is the largest categories and uh, it, was, it was identified in the way they went about it was mission critical to the winning organisation and that the judges thought that the winner, they really got concisely uh, how the risk got sufficient airtime it needed on the board agenda without dominating other important issues. And, um, and the executive risk reports that resulted from that process are a welcome addition to an already busy board pack. And moving on to sort of the, the general points on the entries, uh, I'll just finish on that last one. Clear, concise and short. The answers to the questions and not some other question or not what you'd like to say. Um, and that the word count is observed and that the initiative is actually clearly named. The pay, so paying attention to the detail. Um, we don't look, in, as judges, at appendices or links in this category. Um, so it's just what is said on the form. Um, it's not sufficient to say you're following a governance code or what you did was to adopt the governance code because that's, that's the minimum entry requirement almost for a governance initiative in this day and age. 
And it fills me with joy to even say that. But um, it's just a moment in time, 10 years ago, I couldn't have said that. So it's the problems and how you've overcome them. So it's the how. And I guess make your, your ensure your initiative is, is a, an actual real governance one and not, not slightly related to it. And I guess the last and, and most important general advice for people in this category is really try and focus on the impact of the changes. It's, it's a journey over 12 months, so, so we judges need to see some evidence of that to be able to, to help boost you into that last-minute barney when it's down to two or three groups and you have to actually just pick one. Um, that really just gives a flavour. I hope I've done my, my job correctly. Thank you very much for asking me. I hope I've done justice to the, the judges and, and what you've said and what you've fed back. And congratulations to every single one of the shortlisted uh, nominees. Uh, it was a joy to read to you, as a governance nerd says. So... Okay, so these are the different categories that you would have heard me define as small, less small, medium, bit large and very large. Um, it's written there and it's all done on money and I, the numbers. Um, so up to 250k, from 250k to 1 million, 1 million to 5 million, 5 million to 15 million and over 15 million. So that's the large ones completely. Is it safe to go on, Dermot? I'm terrified of actually naming a winner before I've actually <laughs> named the winner. Um, so this is category one. So this is the turnover of zero up to 250,000. So you can see the shortlisted there. For those who can't see the screen, Carrick and Shore Community Resource Centre, Leave No Trace Ireland, Sligo Volunteer Centre, Tipperary Town Heritage Group. And I'm just going to do, sorry, I'm the first award giver. Um, so the choreography is, uh, I'm going to name the winner. Uh, you'll come up. Uh, you'll get your prize and there'll be a photograph and then you'll go away again, I'll go into the next shortlist. So I presume the other awards arise, something like that. So whoever's named next, congratulations. <laughs> and well done to the other four. I've never done this before. This is actually <laughs> So, and the winner is... Tiger Volunteer Centre! Congratulations. And category two, so that uh, for organisations with an annual turnover of between 250,000 and 1 million. And the category two shortlist, again, for those who can't see the screen, Blue Teapot Theatre Company, Clay Youth Project and Sullis Cancer Support Centre. And the winner is Sullis Cancer Support Centre. <laughs> Okay, we're now getting into the category of organisations with an annual turnover of between 1 million and 5 million. And um, the shortlisted organisations are Alone, Kildare Youth Services, The Ark, The Care Trust, and the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation. And um, congratulations to you all, and well done. And the winner is the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation. Category four uh, is if for organisations with an annual turnover of between 5 million and 15 million. And uh, there were three shortlisted organisations in this category. Catholic Institute for Deaf People, the Lara Lynn Children's Hospice and the Social Innovation Fund Ireland. So well done to you all. And the winner is the Lara Lynn Children's Hospital. Now, 
This is the uh, final category in this final category in this broad category of governance initiative. It is category five uh, organisations with an annual turnover of more than 15 million. And the shortlisted candidates, as you can see there, are the Central Remedial Clinic, the CRC, Our Ladies Hospice and Care Services, and Trocra. And the winner is... Trocra! Thank you very much, Deirdre. We're, we're, we are flying through it. We're now 15 minutes ahead of schedule, so that's, that is good. <laughs> Now for the next category, which is the annual report, um, which was the, the, where we started off before we, we expanded into the government initiative. So um, to talk about the entries in the annual report category and to announce the winners, I'd like to call on the chair of the, that, that panel, Aideen Morgan from Nazareth. Thank you, Dermot, and good evening, everyone. I'm honoured to be here this evening to represent my fellow judges in the good governance annual report category. I would like to echo both Dermot's and, and Deirdre's words of thanks to the many screeners, technical reviewers, judges and so many others who, are, who work so hard and who are so committed to make the Good Governance Awards happen. And of course, thanks I think must also go to Dermot who, as most people know, is the brains behind the awards programme. Uh, it was his vision uh, that made it all happen and I think it's been a great success and I think that's evidenced in the room tonight. <laughs> I have been involved in the Good Governance Awards in the annual report category for the past, each of the past four years in both the technical review and the judging. And each year I've been both humbled and inspired by the reports that I read and the truly amazing impact that is made by each of the organisations here tonight. Annual reports are a key tool in the armour of any organisation and I think particularly so not-for-profit organisations. They afford you an invaluable opportunity to tell your story and to share the good work that you are doing. Of course, we all know that telling the story is not of itself good enough anymore. And it is also so important to give your readers an insight into how you deliver upon your mission, into the governance of the organisation, into how risk is managed and into how you manage your finances. This year, there were, as there are every year, so many good reports and so much that my fellow judges liked, commended, and even applauded. While each shortlisted organisation will, as, as was mentioned earlier, receive their own feedback specific to their own report, I would like to share with you some of the comments and some of the items that the judges particularly liked this year. We like when organisations put their own mission and purpose into the context of the wider environmental and sectoral context. One of the winners tonight, which really stood out for the judges, set out very clearly how their strategic objectives fit with the government strategy and the UN Convention. We do like when organisations which incur a deficit explain that well, both in terms of how it arose in the first instance, but also in terms of the actions that are being taken to address that deficit. We like where the organisations go a little outside the traditional script of annual reports and start to incorporate more topical elements, and some of these Louise has mentioned, like diversity and inclusion, sustainability, environmental impact, and safeguarding. I always tell my not-for-profit clients when I'm advising them on their annual reports that they really need to talk about the bad as well as the good. You know, and similarly, the, ju the judges like to feel that they're getting the full picture, that they hear about the challenges, that maybe the things that didn't go quite to plan, and that it is done in a balanced way and not in an overly negative way. We particularly like when we see the actual evidence of governance in action, the governance culture, the risk culture, 
and how the board sets the tone from the top. Of course, as with anything, good reporting is it's a process of continuous improvement. And even with the best of reports, the judges believe that there's always room for further refinement and further improvement. Some of the items that the judges would like to see more of in future years include, we like to understand where the organisation fits in the wider sector and environment, and this is not always so clear. The majority of organisations provide a very good insight into their achievements during the year, but very often these achievements are not put in the context of the targets, the plans, or what the organisation set out to do. In the absence of this context, the full impact of the achievements is not always apparent. Similarly, the use of KPIs is more limited than we might like. And those organisations who do set out KPIs, they often present KPIs maybe for the current year and the previous year, but they don't put it in the context again of the targets, and that, that's a really important piece, we feel. In a number of cases, parent and group relationships are unclear, and they're not well explained. And this, we feel, is very important from a governance perspective. I think it's been mentioned already, but being on a path or a journey to compliance with a particular governance code, it's no longer good enough, unfortunately. As judges, we expect there to be full compliance with the governance code and for this to be clearly stated. We look for a clear policy and an explanation of the rationale for holding significant cash balances where this is the case, and this isn't always evident. And finally, and this is one of my own personal <laughs> bugbears as well as sharing it with many of the judges, we've all expressed disappointment at the level of non-compliance with Charity SORP. So while the accounting policies will state full compliance with Charity SORP, when you see the results of the technical review, unfortunately, this suggests otherwise. As a group of judges, we feel this is a very easy win for organisations. But if Deirdre is a governance nerd, I'm an annual report nerd, so <laughs> well, I could stand here and talk about annual reports all night, but I'll save you <laughs> the pain. Um, so let's move on to what you're all waiting for, the results of the Good Governance Annual Report Awards. So similar to the Best Governance Improvement, we've got the uh, in the Annual Report Awards, we've got five categories. In category one, it's organisations with income of less than €250,000. The shortlisted organisations were Breaking Through, Clare Volunteer Centre, Helium Arts, Leave No Trace Ireland and Sharing Point. The judges in Category 1 found the winning annual report to be very clear in terms of what the organisation does, the benefit it brings, what its priorities are, what they achieved and what they plan to do in the future. They particularly commended the fact that the winning organisation applies charity SORP, the only organisation in this category to do so. And the winner is Helium Arts. Congratulations. In category two, so this is organisations with income between 250,000 and 1 million Europe. Our shortlisted organisations are AidLink, Belong to Youth Services, Brighter Communities Worldwide, Children's Rights Alliance and CoLove. The judges in Category 2 particularly noted the way that the winning organisation clearly explained their position in the wider sectoral and environmental context. This provided real clarity on how the organisation's work fitted within the bigger picture of government strategy and the UN Convention. Also of particular note was the fact that the winning organisation did not produce a glossy annual report, but used the standard format financial statements and really put significant effort into the content of those. And the winner is... Children's Rights Alliance. In category three, we have organisations with income between 1 million and 5 million euro. 
The shortlisted organisations are ActionAid Ireland, Mary Keating Foundation, the Care Trust, the Irish Hospice Foundation and Threshold. The winning organisation in Category 3 ticked all of the boxes for the judging panel. The judges felt there was particularly good discussion and insight into strategy, governance and risk, and that the achievements of beneficiaries were very clearly demonstrated. And the winner is the Care Trust. In Category 4, we have organisations with income between 5 million and 15 million euro. The shortlisted organisations are, we've got Dogs Trust, <laughs> uh, Jigsaw, the National Centre for Youth Mental Health, Plan International Ireland, Social Innovation Fund Ireland and Barrettstown. It was a very close call for the judges in Category 4, but the winning organisation, even though they produced quite a long report, hit all the right notes for this panel particularly in relation to how they reported on governance. The judges took particular comfort and a sense of security from the detail provided on risks. And the winner is Jigsaw, the National Centre for Youth Mental Health. And finally, to Category 5, so organisations with income greater than €15 million. Euro. The shortlisted organisations are Barnardo's, Central Remedial Clinic, Concern, Irish Wheelchair Association, and Throkra. All of the shortlisted organisations in this category are well-known household names, and the judging panel noted the standard to be at a very high level. The winning organisation stood out for the judges in its reporting on strategy and performance, but the real differentiator was in the reporting on governance. It was also noteworthy that the winning organisation shows the best board diversity in this category. And the winner is Throkra. Well, that was fast. Um, I'm, I'm saying, saying we're, we're well ahead of schedule, but I, I think really when you're, when you're there and you're up for award, you want to know. And um, congratulations to the winners and congratulations to everybody who said we've been shortlisted because it genuinely, it's the standard is going up, which is great. And also thank you for everybody for turning up because, uh, you know, it's fantastic to see, you know, when we said we, we needed a bigger, bigger hall, we certainly did, so it's fantastic to get that. And again, thanks again to Davy for being very, very, for the great support in, in making this facility available to us. Um, that's the formal part of the proceedings over with. Um, I would like all the winners, we want to do the, the, the wedding photo of all, 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 the, all the weddings. So our, our photographer has been fantastically efficient, but this will be the challenge where he'll earn, earn his feet trying to organise to get, get um, the family photo together. And I also want to thank our signer, it was the hardest working person here all night, so well done. <laughs> So thank you, everybody, and I'm looking forward to a bumper entry next year for the 2020, which will be our fifth year. So thank you and good night. Thank you for listening to our latest Carmichael Governance podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, it would be of great benefit to us if you could give it a rating, as that helps to create greater awareness of these podcasts. So until the next time, Slán Gofol. Go